trauma happens in a context of a relationship, good or bad. And so I believe healing. So to be able to do that work in a group context, once again, it it so much more can get accomplished versus one-on-one sessions with the therapist. Not to say that it can't happen. It can happen with through the relationship with client and therapist, but I just feel like it could be deeper and richer in a group. In this episode, we're exploring the question, how are psychodrama and community effective tools for treating trauma? Returning for an episode together, therapists Samantha Bishop and Terrence Smith join us to talk about how essential community and group work are in our healing journeys. We also dive into a modality that Sam specializes in called psychodrama. This episode pulls back the curtain on one of our favorite experiential modalities. Christopher, this episode was really fun because we got to feature Sam and Terrence's dynamic, and I thought it illustrated actually how therapists can work together to come alongside clients in a group setting. What were your takeaways? Yeah, it's always fun being in the room with Samantha and Terrence, and uh, both extremely talented clinicians. But yeah, they did a great job at highlighting how important a sense of community is in just the healing. The uh, clients will often talk about that, that they get a ton from the the therapy, but to be witnessed by others and then mm-hmm. to be able to process even further with them, maybe in off times of programming is, is so impactful. And to see someone be vulnerable, uh, it almost gives you permission to do the same. Yeah. So healing happens in communities, healing happens with witnesses and support. So it was a really important topic to cover. Yeah, and I thought Samantha and Terrence did a really great job of even modeling community for us Mm -hmm. um, and sharing a little bit of their dynamic and how they work together in a group setting and talking more specifically about group work because I think that's a really intimidating um, modality when we talk about it is doing therapy in a group. It feels really vulnerable. It feels Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to get as much out of it, but Mm -hmm. it really is paradoxically a really powerful and deep modality where I personally have experienced some of the greatest healing ever by watching other people have healing. Yeah. So they were really funny and they also did a really funny thing called a sidebar, which you guys will learn more about. So uh, we were just excited to have them together. Yeah, it's great. Welcome to the Treating Trauma Podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Christopher O'Reilly. Join us for a limited series of conversations with trauma experts and world-class clinicians for Milestones, a -a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience. Together, we'll explore how unresolved trauma from our past can disrupt and block us from being the person we want to be. Sam and Terrence, I'm so excited to sit down with the two of you. Uh, everyone has been telling me that you have a really fun dynamic, so I'm excited to have the two of you in a room together. I just can't wait to see how Sidebar shows up. That's all I have to say. <laughs> what is Sidebar? You'll uh, see. Um, it sh- may happen. I mean, just let's just let it happen organically. Yeah, yeah, it's probably yeah, best yeah. that way. Let's not tell them. Let's show them. Or announce it. It'll just happen. Yeah, that's true. They have it. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> um I would love to hear just a little bit uh, about why you became a therapist, but furthermore, why you were inspired and intrigued to go into the line of therapy that you are in. I have a colleague from a couple jobs ago, and I love his um, dynamic 
or I love his uh, way he puts things. And he calls he calls like life events uh, wood posts. Hmm. And so he would always ask me like, "What are your wood posts? Like, what were your posts where you thought, let me go to this journey and then this journey and this journey?" And so, um, I think just I've always had a heart for serving. I've always had a heart to um, to just be. Um, and I've just loved the process of being on the other side of someone else learning how to be. Mm. Um, I love that it sharpens me on how to be better. Um, and so we're both growing at the same time. And I've I've just loved getting to do that for my job because it makes me a better person. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Did you? When did you know you wanted to be a therapist? Um, well, I was in nursing school uh, in my undergrad. And I was um, just serving like a clinical rotation and uh, like day one knew that I sucked at being a nurse. (laughs) Absolutely sucked at it. The only thing I was good at was like listening to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I would get in trouble because I would stay in the rooms too long. And I like barely passed my nursing classes. So I was like, I thought I was going to I thought I was going to just push through and be a psych nurse, mm. but I realized I also didn't have the passion enough to push through. So I just made like a quick call and switched to something that was in line with what I was good at in nursing, and it's paid off pretty okay. So how about more specifically like working with people that that need treatment for trauma? Like how did you find interest in that or how did you land in this space? Great question, Christopher. I was burnt out in the pandemic of being a therapist, and I was working an outpatient at the time. Um, But just getting burnt out, getting burnt out where I was, thinking I would pursue private practice, figuring out, like, what I even wanted to do in the pandemic with all the acuity building up, and had a mentor and a friend recommend that I do the on-site psychodrama training to just sharpen myself from a humanitarian perspective, humanistic perspective. Mm-hmm. So I did that, met someone in that training that worked at Milestones, and they said, hey, you should come work at Milestones. And I said, maybe. <laughs> so I just decided to interview. I thought, well, the worst that could happen is that I say no at the end if I don't like it, and then I ended up really loving it and said yes. So here I am today, almost a year later. Treating trauma. Treating trauma. That's really incredible. And you've been there a year. Terrence, how long have you been here now? We came around roughly the same time. So mm-hmm. I think I'll be a year, I think, uh, around August or late or late July, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And you shared in another interview that uh, therapy was kind of a second career for you? Yeah, it was, it was first love, second career. Yeah. And so what about the trauma space in particular? really pulled you into in the residential? Because you were in residential before as well? Yeah, I was in residential before I was doing addiction and uh, probably my own work. I mm. mean, I was doing my own work um, even before I, I, I changed careers. So just doing my own work and kind of experiencing what I had to go through for my own healing, it mm-hmm. really, like, I want to help other people walk through that in a very uh, softer way, if you will. <laughs> and what do you think is... Um, like the really beautiful pieces that residential offers that outpatient can't. Okay. 
my favorite part of it is that uh, resi- what I believe, and my this is my one experience with residential, but it's sort of it's a, a milieu that helps you get to the core of your issues pretty pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and outpatient, I felt like a lot of my stuff was putting out fires mm. and never really getting to address the core stuff. Yeah. So I feel like we're making residential helps people make a really big impact, a really big shift in, in the trajectory of their life. I've heard it been mentioned that you can get a year's worth of work done in just a couple of weeks because of the residential um, experience. What do you think it is about residential? Is it the fact that people dedicate that much time and energy like condensed or is it a little more complex than that? I definitely think that's part of it. Um, I Something that I say a lot, which is uh, I've, I've come to adopt the term like woo-woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a little woo-woo. It's also a little bit of my, um, uh, to quote our sweatpants here, trusting the process. <laughs> uh, but I think residential creates, uh, I've just been calling it the moment. Like yeah. the moment is in and of itself a part of the relationship of residential therapy. On this side of the chair too, like I'm, I'm a part of the moment presenting itself just like the clients are a part of the moment presenting itself uh, for them to have the opportunity to grow and change. So we're, I think that that's one cool part of residential is that every single person, the cleaning staff, the kitchen, the directors, the therapists, the clients, like we're all part of the moment, the process. Mm. And when it's also really neat again, my one experience with residential, that we're in the middle of nowhere. So we're all sort of, we're all sort of in this bubble. Yeah. And we're, um, we're all, uh, and the moment's going to happen, however it happens. And we, we all meet it. And then it's like, what do you do with it? So it's also, there's a little bit of mystery to it. Honestly, it's it's pretty spiritual. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feels very different than anything else I've, I've done therapeutically. Yeah. Terrence, anything you would add to that? Um, I would say <clears throat> the biggest difference is the ability to recreate the family, uh, a family system. Like most mm. of our clients have been injured in a family system. And so coming to a place like this allows them to re-experience what it means to be in a family. And so a lot of times some of those family dysfunctional uh, issues or their struggles show up in real time. And we get to work with them in real time. Mm. And so they get to have a corrective experience. That's really interesting. I love that, Terrence, that, you you know, it's not the first time I've heard you talk about the corrective experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that can be so healing for people. What, as we talk about, like, trauma treatment and all of that, what do you feel like are some of the biggest barriers for someone addressing and healing trauma? It's going to be scary. It's a good question. I would say uh, particularly like addressing it in this setting is pulling themselves out of their life. You know, it's not easy to come here. It's not easy to do this work. And so I admire anyone who can show up, who can 
take the time to check out of their life to come here and do this work. It's always huge. And just to piggyback off of that, I, I, it's it's fairly often that people come and have been have been functioning for a long time in their life when in 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 like dysfunction essentially. So coming here can be an adjustment. <clears throat> maybe like a week or maybe even a week or two to really let your let your system settle in to be able to do the work that that can be I don't know if it's a barrier if it's just just naturally part of the process but that happens absolutely yeah I think it can be a barrier because I think that, you know it's something that people have to work through mm-hmm. even just showing up and maybe in their life outside of here they don't do that Mm-hmm. That can be huge. I think there's a lot of courage around making the connections because I think operating in what I make up are some of the symptoms that are associated or the patterns that I function in, one, that feels like my normal, and two, there's a lot of fear in addressing it back to, let's say, trauma. How do you walk someone through that and what does that maybe even look like for people who say, like, this is a recurring pattern in my life or this is a recurring symptom that maybe I'm afraid to connect to trauma or I wouldn't even connect it to trauma? Mm. I would say probably the first thing, and I, I think Samantha would agree, is is <clears throat> building rapport with the client, first and foremost, because they're coming in, they're very afraid, and for the most part, they've constructed a life in a way where they haven't had to look at the trauma. So yeah. how do we create an environment to where they can begin to talk about it in a, in a in a positive and affirming way so we can start to really assess the depths of the trauma. So I would probably say it's building rapport and trust um, from, the, from the very beginning. Yeah, I, I think that's massive on, on this side of the chair. Um, I think another part of it, too, is uh, we we have something called like a core group. So the group, I think the the intimate group setting is a really great way to f- to fast track that too. Mm. So <clears throat> we're sort of attuned and um, have a mission to build trust and safety. The group is also having been oriented and uh, to that process as well is very can be very helpful for new people coming into to sort mm. of fast track that. But yeah, I think we play a part in it, but also the group itself plays a part in that too. I think that's why residential speeds up the process a little bit because it's one thing to build rapport with just a therapist. But when you walk into a treatment center, you have to build rapport, yes, but then you have the clients telling you, hey, this is a safe place. Like you can let down your guard here. And they model that behavior because they maybe have been here longer. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just... That's, in my opinion, the beauty of group, and it can really speed up the process. And we say a lot of times that, you know, the group or the milieu is going to do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah. You know, a lot of clients come in like, I just want to see my therapist. I just want to do individual therapy. And we have to remind them like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see you, you know, once, twice a week, whatever that may be. But you're going to be in your core group. You're going to be in your milieu the majority of the time. And that's where a lot of the big shifts happen. Hey there, thanks for listening to the Treating Trauma Podcast. I want to let you know about another way that the experts at Onsite can support you in your journey. 
Onsite is known and respected worldwide for providing life-changing group workshops and intensives that are founded on innovative clinical expertise, safe community, and exceptional healing hospitality. Guided by the top clinical minds in the field, these offerings extend the length and depth of healing work in ways that are not always afforded in other settings. Unlike traditional therapies, our experiential therapeutic framework is blended with other innovative modalities and grounded in the group experience. Removed from the distractions of everyday life, our intensive and group workshop experiences curate an environment for unprecedented and deeply impactful exploration and breakthrough. Coupled with our world-class dining and hospitality, we're committed to meeting you with the safe environment you need to fully embrace the process and engage wholeheartedly in the healing you deserve. You can now experience the power of an on-site experience on both our California and Nashville campuses. Connect with our admissions team at 1-800-341-7432 or head to onsiteworkshops.com to learn more. Now, back to the interview. I know that I have seen that in my own life in different um, scenarios where I get as much of my healing from watching other people find healing mm. and have those aha moments and camaraderie and having me too moments where you feel like you're not alone than I even do in a one-on-one setting. It's just, I remember that being my one of my biggest takeaways from an onsite experience um, in one of our workshops was that it was, I got so much healing out of watching other people have these humongous breakthroughs. So I think the community is a big piece of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And at Milestones, it feels really sacred. Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, the only other word I can think of is like precious, Mm -hmm. is that the the community is a huge part of what y'all do. And that's not something you can can facilitate and cultivate that, but there's buy-in from all of the, every single guest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I think of, when I think of how that really shows up, uh, the, the the big piece of that is the commencement ceremonies that we do. Mm-hmm. So when someone goes through, uh, you know, a full um, treatment and they're discharging, there's this, like, ceremony that we do <clears throat> that just honors the work that they've done and all the community speaks into them um, of how they've seen them grow and the progress that they've seen them grow. And uh, I think that that is it's pivotal, but it's also um, a tangible evidence of just how big the milieu is and how powerful the milieu is itself. Is that like, we're essentially, we're seeing you, your entire treatment working and growing. Um, And here's a little gift we can give you on your way home so that you get to take with you. And I don't think we really have a lot of relationships that are like that in the real world. Hmm. That can sort of say like, hey, I saw you for this concentrated amount of time. I saw you grow like this, this, and this, and this. So it's a real gift to to be able to have that. Yeah, have people speak into you. You know, not often do people learn how to end relationships in a healthy way. True. That's good. I think that that's definitely like when you're talking about the commencement and just the sort of pulling it all together and honoring the work, it's like, Wow. Not always do people learn how to end a relationship in a healthy way. That's kind of unique. It's true. I can feel that. I feel like it, it feels awkward. None of us were really taught. And we we hold on to things. Like, 
if this was good for a season, then it must be a forever thing. And I think there is a lot of beauty in saying this was really good for a season, full stop. Um, and I think that's a whole nother podcast. But I'd love to talk about modalities and kind of what you guys specialize in and how that can really impact healing trauma and someone walking through this journey. So what would you say is some of the biggest modalities or um, specializations you guys have? I get a little bit uh, therapy nerdy when when people ask me this question. Yeah. If I could specifically say I get relationally nerdy because I oh, I don't know what it, – it's this like autoplay button where I'm always like, well, let's just go back to first and foremost, the relationship <clears throat> is everything. Mm. So EMDR is great and psychodrama is great and experiential is great. But if the relationship isn't founded – um, and, and a tether, then nothing it, nothing works. Nothing will mm, function. That's good. And I think a lot, honestly, sorry, rabbit hole, people come in here expecting that they could just jump in on some EMDR. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's, maybe it works for some people, I, and I don't really know the science behind if it works or doesn't, but if you can, if you can get, arrive at a place where you can be very vulnerable and be known in a really vulnerable way and feel safe, like, then any modality will function well. So I think that in the therapy world and in the human world, that the priority is relationships, to be known and to be fully known and to feel safe in being known. That's everything. And that trumps any kind of modality. But Sam, they want to... It's probably okay if you get a little nerdy. There are people out there that would mm-hmm. like to know how much you know about a modality. I think before we go into modalities, Terrence, mm-hmm. this <laughs> kind of feels like a great segue. Of course. Introducing the sidebar. The key to the sidebar is that it is radical genuineness. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of piecing of that like relationship quality. But... Let me let us not tell you about it. Let us just show you. <clears throat> Samantha Thomas and Pivots facing Terrence. Yes. They are asking a lot of really good questions. <sighs> they really are. You know, I, I think we're I'm feeling the trajectory of where this is all going. Mm-hmm. I feel some psychodrama talk coming on. Definitely. Um and and, of course, like the experiential piece, you know. You're gonna totally nail that part, just so you Oh, man, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Anytime. Yeah. How are you feeling as you're, like, navigating this? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm really interested to see where you're going with this. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel really confident where you're going. I like where you're headed. Cool. Really smooth right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm personally feeling just this microphone is, like, right here in my face. It and is. I'm still I'm still noticing it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that as this continues on, I'll notice it less. Yes, but you're doing really well. Oh, yeah. Well, we've sort of showed them a sidebar. Just a little bit, but not a whole lot. Not a whole because lot. Because it has to be organic. It can't. We can't just really <clears throat> No, no, no. No, it has to be. Now that they know, there's no, there's no sense in like pausing we can just kind of like yeah we can just move it right back just and, move it right back and anybody who hears this know that there's a chance that if we're in group together this could happen to them that's exactly right but if i could <laughs> yeah having, for us. having the having this microphone right here mm-hmm. to explain why a sidebar is so cool 
So a sidebar is cool for two different reasons. So there's there are times in in a core group when a when a group member is just kind of stuck. Like maybe other group members are challenging them on their awareness, mm-hmm. um, or but they still feel stuck in some way and they just can't make a movement. What's handy when you're co-facilitating, because what we're doing is like we're sort of narrating what's going on inside of us mm-hmm. with, for them to witness. Which, of course, when you're doing individual therapy, you can like uh, you have you still have that process inside. It's just you don't share that with them. Mm-hmm. This helps like what's on the inside come out, and it, it is very effective in helping them move and shift and get out of it. Um, so anyway. And sometimes what happens, particularly when we co-facilitate, sometimes she's in a process and I can observe. And so she may miss something and I'm able to stop and go like, hey, I'm noticing this. Do you notice this? And we can actually talk about it in real time. So instead of this innuendo being in the group room, mm-hmm. we actually make it conscious. We make it real, make it live in real time. And we'll just talk amongst ourselves except it, everybody can hear it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So clinically speaking, co-facilitating is like a modality that we will from time to time partner up. Mm -hmm. Um, It it just has depended on various circumstances. But um, co-facilitating is like one of my favorite ways to do do group. So you're co-facilitating a group of how many people? It depends. Um, When you're doing – if you're just an individual, you know, I think there's like sort of the – the the Yalom number is like eight or less, yeah. mm-hmm. but these days with like acuity and everything, and just because of you know um, individualized treatment and stuff, mm-hmm. no more than six okay. where where we work. And so when you're in a group facilitating, what types of things are you doing with them? Is it mostly what people would imagine, like a talk therapy, like? Asking questions, people responding. Are you integrating some kind of experiential elements? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think as Sam is, is uh, I think she's like a Jedi master. She won't, she won't cop to this, but <laughs> I think she's like a master. Sometimes I get so enamored with the work she do, does because she has this this ability to pull a story that a client has disowned and mm. make it alive. In the, in the group session. And I think that is so powerful. Um, kind of similar to her. I don't, I, I, I would say my stuff is more relationship based that on the surface, it seems like talk therapy, mm-hmm. but I'm making things that are, are implicit, explicit while we have a conversation. I may stop and have them check in with their feelings. I may notice if they're incongruent. And so I just bring those type of things into the therapeutic relationship. So there's no innuendo or, um, asking for clarity and things of that nature. So that's what I like to do. Um, I do a little experiential, but I primarily uh, specialize in kind of an organic nature of therapist, kind of like whatever the client needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's the brain spot in the MDR. But um, I, I tip my hat to Sam with the psychodrama. Mm. So Terrence, let's talk about Sam in front of her. Yes. Uh, no, but just when, when you say she... Uh, can pull a story that a client maybe has disowned is, is I remember from a previous conversation with you, you talked about how when we have trauma, sometimes we sort of store that or repress that. So, you know, when, when Sam is sort of bringing that into the room, Mm -hmm. I immediately go like, wow, what a fantastic opportunity for the client 
and the group members mm-hmm. to really do some work. Yeah. I think what allows Sam to do what she does so well is is not only her ability to listen with her two ears, but she listens another way and she can hear the story or she can hear that um, that exiled part of their childhood in their language. Mm. And she can like parse it out really fast and then amplify. So by exile part, just the person who's not a therapist in the room. What does that Adam. mean? Yeah, Adam, obviously. It's not, <laughs> it's not you. It's not me. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, here's how I would hear you say, like, there are parts of my story that I don't want to attach to. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's value I make up in reconciling with that because everything belongs. What is that? How does that like, Ugh. how do you do that in a trauma? Yeah, I think it's the process for this moment, again, that I'm like, there's this this mystery connection here. And I just know, like, intuitively, okay, they need to do this. And little things that they say will, like, ping to be done. And I can usually get an image of what the psychodrama is going to look like to help them set it up. And so it's more just, it's honestly attunement and intuition. Mm -hmm. And that's so abstract it's so hard for me to to explain the process so can we talk a little bit about what psychodrama is because like maybe the image someone has in their head is very different than what it is totally i think that happened for me it feels to use a word you said earlier real woo woo yeah um you're gonna get me in here and i'm gonna reenact things from my childhood like yeah no one wants to do that Mm -hmm. so what when you say i know what they need to do what's an example of something you might have someone do yeah I'm just going back to like yeah. the last time I did something. First of all, you would want to know who wants to do a piece of work. <laughs> That's very true. And sometimes they don't realize they want to do they don't realize that they're primed to do work. Mm-hmm. So it's also like I just think a big part of psychodrama is intuitively based. Mm-hmm. Again, like just unspoken stuff of like you get a feeling and you go for it. Cuz you know people uh, 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 when someone experiences trauma, that's one of the things they lose, their intuition, their ability to trust themselves, their ability mm-hmm. to climb into a moment. And so through what Sam does, it is climbing into a moment, tapping into your intuition. Yeah. So it's yeah. all of that. I, I had a client one time, if I can use an example, mm-hmm. this particular client was came in like n- not really using their voice and feeling disempowered, and they had suffered pr- severe trauma. Um, and the, one of the psychodramas that we did with this person, um, was, uh, like resourcing them. So like equipping them with internal resources, like qualities of who they are to literally be an extra person alongside them, an extra figure alongside them to speak truth into them. Um, at, uh, some sort of like spiritual resource. We just resource them up like crazy. So you, when you say that you have this person standing here and then you identify like these different mm-hmm. characteristics and then you yeah. assign someone in the group process to come and join them as that thing. Exactly. Okay. So they, this pers- particular person did that. And then we invited, uh, we did a psychodrama of a future situation that was going to be taking place mm-hmm. where um, where the perpetrator was, was they were going to be in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. So we did like a future oriented psychodrama where they could be resourced, enroll, um, have have the person that um, in the same room with them that 
you know, they were feeling like little with or mm. fragile or something. And through through like psychodrama, through psychodrama and creativity, you know, when you're doing psychodrama, generally speaking, there is um, there's there is a, a someone enrolled or something enrolled that is representative of a place that you're stuck in, mm-hmm. and through communication or action or something you can help move and shift where you're not where you're no longer stuck mm. in this particular psychodrama the the goal was to have a voice to be able to speak up to be yeah. able to speak my piece in a moment when i feel like i'm going to my voice isn't going to be there yeah so anyway um you know like you can do creative things like you can zip their mouth and make their ears really big um you can have their resources like chant truths about them and, and or, or or scream. You can put blocks up to keep you safe. And um, I re- vividly remember this because this person was was like, "No, I I don't think I need to do one." But it, but in doing it, when they had that shift moment where they were able to speak their truth and like really stand up for themselves. Their whole body changed. Mm. Their face so surprised and and they were standing up taller and all of that that happens in the moment. Yeah. And I always say this like I always tell clients that that your body doesn't know that this isn't actually that person. Your body doesn't know that this isn't actually what's going on. Like mm. when you can when you can do that here, your body doesn't know the difference. And that usually helps people buy into the process. So it's really powerful. It's yeah. honestly really fun. Um, and uh, getting to be like creative is is always fun. Yeah. Thank you for kind of walking through that because I think we talk a lot about psychodrama, experiential, and it can feel like someone's just saying, come and do the magic. So thank you for kind of pulling back the curtain to say, no, this is what it looks like. It's not anything weird Um, because I know that that could be a barrier to doing some of this work is that I don't want to know what's behind that door and I also don't know how to do that. So Yeah. Um, And one of the things you said, like they felt really small and I imagined – you may have ever presented that with that person and they may have started out in a crouched down small position and then towards the end as they were mm-hmm. working through this work, maybe they stood up or maybe they were on blocks or maybe they were on a chair, or, you know, like getting yeah. louder. And so I think I loved hearing that and being able to even imagine it having small little glimpses of having done psychodrama. Yeah, anything, any as much uh, overt you can get, like, because a lot of times, especially in trauma, uh, you know, like we we lose our intuition or we lose our ability to know what's inside. And so I, I think a good director, uh, and that's what you call like the therapist. So mm-hmm. a good therapist who's doing psychodrama uh, will be able to slow you down and ask you quite a lot of questions, you know, of like there are some people who would say like, don't ask them questions, just keep them going the whole time. But sometimes I, I will, you know, like slow down of like, does this feel right for your body? Show me with your body, like, what's going on. So as much covert you can make overt, like, that's how we heal trauma. Hmm. Well said. So good. What, Terrence, can you speak to why we need to get in our bodies and why experiential and psychodrama helps us do that? Um, 
because when we experience trauma, it almost jolts us out of our body. We lose a disconnection with our body. Um, and what psychodrama and other modalities does is allows us to have an embodied experience. So it's this fragmented experience. So when we have trauma, um, it's that when we're in that fight, fight, freeze place, we are almost like disengaged from our body in an attempt to like keep ourselves safe. And so doing this work allows us to reconnect with our bodies and actually mm. have a full experience. And so for some people, getting in your body is absolutely terrifying. So we yeah. have to tread very lightly and actually do what, she, uh, what Sam was mentioning, resourcing. And resourcing is basically a way that can allow you to feel grounded in the here and now. I just thought of somebody who, you know, maybe was in their body and then experiencing trauma. They had to put all of their attention to their surroundings. Mm-hmm. And so then when they come do the trauma treatment, we're inviting them back into their bodies. Right. And what, 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 we, what we tend to see is that it's a habitual pattern is that their first go to is to notice what's outside of them. And we offer an invitation to return to their bodies. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in a process and someone is in process of reengaging with themselves, whether mm-hmm. it's inside or outside or whatever, that we we therapists can help celebrate that because that can that can be terrifying not only like to come here and do that, but to be in the middle of reawakening your body can be so scary and overwhelming and feel maybe even wrong. Like mm-hmm. and so uh, just holding a mirror to say like, hey, you're right where you need to be. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a part of what we do here too. And what do you do if this is done in like a group setting? How do you bring the rest of the group along through the experience? Um, and how does psychodrama, like is it a common practice to have like reflections of what they've seen, people kind of relating it to them? Like how does, how do you take it the next step and involve the whole group after someone's had this piece of work? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's uh, certainly like sh- like protocol that comes with psychodrama, like mm-hmm. from from psychodrama training. Um, but the people who you've chosen to enroll in your pieces of work, um, there's there's something called tele, <clears throat> and it's a psychodrama term. But basically, that um, that we're sort of like energetically connected, and so the people mm-hmm. that you choose. The people who you choose to play the roles you've chosen, um, psychodrama or telly would say you chose them for a reason because they can uh, connect to that role in some way. So when a piece is done, it's important um, for two different reasons. First is the people who play the roles, you want to just get a feel of like what it was like for them in that role. Um, And so sometimes I can... I, can, I, I like to help clients, like, get to that um, because a lot of clients, when you do a psychodrama, um, in a really good, tender way, they want to just celebrate and tell that person, like, how brave they were and how good they did. And that's impo- that's a very important piece of it. Yeah. Um, so it is important to uh, pull out what they noticed in the role they played. So say you play someone's mom. And you were chosen to play someone's mom. And while you were playing that mom in the in the role, you were maybe you notice like you're feeling nervous. Or when the the ther- the client, like when the person doing the work comes close to you, you you want to pull back, but you don't because you're playing that role. So anything that happened 
inside, you just sort of share with them. Yeah. And that person just did this really big piece of work. So most likely they're going to be feeling overwhelmed. But the spirit around that is that we we want to give them anything that might land and help them further deepen their own process mm-hmm. with the relationships, not only with themselves, but around them. Yeah. Um, so it's just, and what they take in, they take in, but we still offer it. So that's one part of that. Then the yeah. second part is the spirit around um, someone just did this incredible, vulnerable piece of work. So it is safest if we match vulnerability with vulnerability. Yeah. And um, I even share appropriately, like I will even share what I gained from watching them do that work as well. So everyone who witnessed the work then shares um, how they can connect to the work. So that sort of like, that is also giving homage to like how witnessing work is just as impactful as doing work. And it's it's a way to tangibly, um, uh, tangibly like hold space for that. Yeah. I feel like you can even argue that sometimes witnessing work is, can be more powerful because yeah. there's less, uh, I feel like witnessing work, there's, there's less of a risk because you have a safe distance from it in some respects. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in it, maybe you're a little more, I don't want to use the word defensive, but just aware of, of things and maybe a little. Yeah, totally. Mm. Uh, let's say someone's really starting to do some of this work. Do you think it's important that they get into some type of a group or what would be the first step that they could do to do that? To do experiential? To do experiential or maybe even just be a part of a group process. How important is group work in yeah. healing from trauma? Mm. I would say it's just from my perspective, I would say it's paramount. Mm. Because once again, it's about, you know, trauma happens in a context of a relationship, good or bad. And so I believe healing must take place in the context. So to be able to do that work in a group context, once again, it it so much more can get accomplished versus one-on-one sessions with the therapist. Not to say that it can't happen. It can happen with through the relationship with client and therapist, but I just feel like it could be deeper and richer in a group setting. <clears throat> I'd like to say ditto. That was a great answer, Terrence. Mm-hmm. So check. Um, and can you speak to kind of the intimidation or maybe the fear that someone might have around doing group work? Yeah, I think... Oh, can I take this one? Cool. He said yes. Um, <laughs> I think when 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 we experience trauma, <clears throat> that trauma can sort of like the experience of trauma can close us up, tell us that um, we're isolated, um, that we don't that our experience isn't shared or validated. Mm. Um, so I think it can be quite scary if not terrifying of going against the grain of that belief that you've been that maybe someone's been living for so long yeah um the cool thing about group therapy though is that if you're just starting out then there's at least a couple people a couple steps ahead of you that both know what you've been through and and remember what it's like to be there and Mm -hmm. can help and speak into that process so you have the ability to have a mirror of you just a couple steps ahead, 
which often gives someone the courage to step into it and give it a try. Hmm. That's really beautiful. That's quite a journey to, you know, if life teaches you that you can't trust other people and you learn how to trust other people, that's like, especially if you didn't trust people for a long time and let's say for the first 20, 30 years of your life and you've kind of been operating on your own and navigating life because you know on your own and then learning to do that i mean that's that's just so huge on so many levels yeah i think it's worth it you know um for anyone who even puts a toe into this work oh it's just so worth it um to take the risk of be of being e- even more validated that what your trauma says is real like it's worth the risk because the rewards are amazing If you or someone you love is struggling with the negative effects of unaddressed trauma, the safety, community, and expert care of the residential experience at Milestones may offer the individualized help and healing you need. Milestones is a -a one-of-a-kind, holistic, and specialized residential trauma treatment experience, serving individuals adversely affected by symptoms of unaddressed trauma, including anxiety, depression, codependency, and PTSD. This innovative and integrative program offers a variable length of stay from 30 to 90 days, specific to individual needs. When life feels like too much, Milestones offers a refuge and a place of healing. Learn more at milestonesatonsite.com. Also, we'd love to help you explore the right option for you. You can connect with our admissions team for a confidential call at 1-800-341-7432 or Email them at admissions at onsiteworkshops.com. You deserve this.